Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. And a warm welcome to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. That would be me. I'm so glad that we've got this day and this afternoon together. Happy Friday. I hope your work week has gone well. Todd Mulliken's in the studio. We're going to talk to Todd. His new book is Being Right Versus Being Liked. And he was generous enough to bring in 10 copies. So I have 10 copies of Todd's book, Being Right Versus Being Liked, The Impact of Narcissism and Codependency on Couples and Families. So... If you uh, have heard Todd on the show in the past and you know the way he speaks and thinks, uh, you're going to love this book and you're going to want to get in on the drawing. So I'm going to have a drawing at the end of the hour for 10 lucky people. So I'm very grateful that I that giveaway and all you have to do is text the word book <laughs> to 877-933-2484. I said that right, didn't I? You did. B-O-O-K, book. And that's all you put is book. Just book. And then it'll send you a response yeah. and you fill out the form. And then it says, I was listening to Afternoons with Bill and I want to get in on mm-hmm. the drawing for Todd's book, Being Right Versus Being Like, The Impact yeah. of Narcissism and Codependency on Couples and Families. Every time I say that book, Todd has me $10. So that's why I keep saying it. Book? No. Well, oh, read the title, the title of this book. Yeah, yeah that yeah. makes sense. And weekend's coming up and I could use some extra cash. So <laughs> Who couldn't? Who couldn't? Yeah. Um, but... <laughs> Last time he was in, we talked about narcissism, and the time after that, we talked about codependency. Now we're going to put it all together in this hour, and we're going to find out the best way to do conflict resolution when we've got those heads budding. Uh, So, Todd, welcome to the show. Thanks, Bill. Appreciate (laughs) it. Checks in the mail. Good, good. So uh, we're going to talk today about uh, what happens when we try to get past this narcissism and codependency and how we work together and make, make it work, huh? Absolutely. Just understanding how to bring out the best in each other, understanding our patterns and our tendencies. So as each person is working on their own side of the street, how are they coming together more? But naturally, that'll bring forth difficult conversations. So Mm -hmm. how do we do that well? Yeah, well, you've said in the past, and I've quoted you many times, you need to speak without being offensive and listen without being defensive. And if you can pull that off, boy, you're off to a good start. Oh, boy. Absolutely. But how do you do that? I mean, seriously. Yeah, it's... You know, I just spoke to a business yesterday and talked about the same area. And, you know, the CEO asked me about that. That sounds like that's difficult. I said, it's a a lifetime. You know, transformation happens over time, not overnight. And that's the most difficult area because, you know, hurt people hurt people. Yeah. So we're in our hurt mind a lot when we're in that spot. But how do we slow down and see the value of taking a breath and not being offensive or not interrogative when we speak? Mm-hmm. And then how do we try to listen to understand and validate? And that takes a lot of intentionality, a lot of prayer, just, you know, a commitment to that for the rest of our story. Again, not because we have to, but because we get to. Mm-hmm. Do you find that men in general carry a basic low-level amount of anger around? Is it just part of what makes them survival out there in the world? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's an edge. Yeah, yeah, and I think it for fellows it shows up either as being kind of a quick trigger or these. I think the last ten, fifteen years of my practice, I've seen more men that go go. Um, they kind of freeze. They mm. shut. They shut down. They get silent. 
And that's really hard for the communicative spouse. It's really difficult. It's very painful. So, and I'm glad you brought up anger because I think, you know, sometimes as believers, we think, you know, anger is an emotion we're not supposed to have and we should never have it. Whereas I read, you know, in your anger, do not sin. Mm -hmm. I don't read, never get angry. Mm -hmm. I read in Proverbs, you know, don't give full vent to your anger, Mm -hmm. right? So how do we learn how to do anger well? And that's a big part of that, doing conflict well. Yeah. No, it seems like anger, this is my armchair quarterbacking here, is uh, a big function of being very frustrated. Mm -hmm. Frustration builds and builds and builds and builds, and all of a sudden you go, okay, now I'm mad. Right. Especially. what are you so frustrated about? Right. Well, and that's why I'm a believer in addressing the mess in real time versus avoiding the mess. Because typically avoiders, what they do when they avoid that mess on Sunday afternoon at 2, at 2.30 they go to the resentment bank and put a buck in there. And it gains interest, and it gains interest. And then next Saturday it comes out with a little more edge. So avoiders have a hard time addressing the mess in real time. Mm-hmm. And when they don't address the mess in real time, they avoid the mess and it builds up. So you're talking about the person is kind of a slow burn. Makes sense? They oh, totally. slowly burn. And one of my visuals I talk about is anger mountain. Oh, yeah. So slow burners get to the, takes a long time to get to the top of anger mountain. But once they're at the top, they like staying there a long time. Because mm, they worked uh, hard to get there. Right. <laughs> you, know, right. you don't want to give up that vista view too fast, do you? No. and they, As destructive as it can be, right? Correct. Yep. And they feel very justified. I'm an avoider myself, so I feel very justified when I get there. Like, hey, you know, I have every right to get here. It's like you finally get 50-yard seats, you know, at the game, and you don't want to leave the seats. <laughs> they go, sir, you got to leave the stadium. The game ended two hours I'm ago. Going I'm not leaving the seat. I like it here, and I deserve <laughs> yeah. to be here. Right? And it's so counterproductive, isn't it? Right. Whereas, yeah. whereas the quick trigger people, they go to the top of Anger Mountain, and whoop, they're back down. They feel good. Mm-hmm. I just ran over their partner but with the, the spouse. Yeah. It doesn't mean they don't do the, huge damage. Truck. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's what they say. So that's why, golly, it's no, it's no more special for me anyway as a marriage counselor to see when each person is just looking in the mirror versus keeping score. Mm-hmm. It's or, beautiful when yeah. that can happen. So let's just... Uh, Let's brush up a little bit before we get into this conflict resolution today. And I want to invite listeners to join in with a question or a comment at 877-933-2484. You can also text the word book to that number because Todd has offered 10 copies of his book, Being Right Versus Being Liked. Uh, So let's just quickly, Todd, uh, refresh our perspective on a narcissist and a person who's codependent. Right. So in general, narcissistic people will want to be right. They will expect automatic compliance to their wishes and expect extra favorable treatment to their demands. So they tend to make demands, not requests. So they have a sense of entitlement with that. They tend to lack empathy. Uh, they tend to be haughty and arrogant. Last, you know, last word Larry's, last word Lorraine's. Mm-hmm. Um, they believe they're special and kind of just get it and the other person doesn't get it. And they have an excessive need to be admired. Mm-hmm. Those are some, like, six of the, of the nine. What if they are admired at their place of work and it's they're fond over all day long and they come home with the head of that steam? Amen. That's right. That's really what tough. Do, what do you do right. when, the, when the spouse says, how about you first take out the garbage? Correct. And you go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. People have been fawning over me for the last eight hours. Right. I tell CEOs on the way home, remember, you're not a big deal. <laughs> right? Just remember that. Yeah. On your way home, realize, you know, you're supposed to love her as Christ loved the church. Or if you're a woman, you know, you're supposed to be respectful and try to understand, look at who he is versus who he isn't. Uh-huh. And so I try to have drive time, of course, during COVID. Good luck. Right. Right. But try to have drive time with 
you know, re-entering with, we're for the family, yeah. we're for each other. But yeah. Okay, let's jump to the, uh, the codependent now. Yeah, so they're t- they tend to be what I call outside-in people. They're defined by their environment or any other person's head. They pacify to avoid conflict. They adjust who they are based on who they're with. They will um, be defined by how the other person feels. Uh, they will know others well but not know self well. Uh, they'll try to really caretake, to minimize things, to hope things go okay. So it's a lot more of that avoidant kind of characteristic and being more defined by how the other person feels, very pleaser-based that mm-hmm. I talk about. They have deep, a deep desire. And sometimes they're acting this way just to receive validation too because they feel survive. so less than. And maybe to survive. Absolutely. Again, what's really important about my book and really all books and any of these topics is everything's on a continuum. Somebody might be listening today that might have a very, you know, their best week of their life in marriage and are, in, you know, just having some difficulties time to time. Other people might be in severely abusive stories, right? So we're all in very different right. places. But if you can't stand up for what you want and you can't articulate that, you're going to suffer uh, for a long time. Correct. You Typically, and great, great point, Bill, usually... Uh, codependents endure the mess. Yeah. They endure. They swallow the pain, don't they? Right. And they try to figure out a way to make the life, their life work with their person that's dominating them. Correct. And in not a kind way. Continue. Sorry. They, no, no, they, no, they'll that, they'll that, do that in not a kind way eventually. Is that, that what you're No, saying? that's the end of my thought. And, yeah. And they're right. doing it in not a very kind way. Right. Because their resentment bank is chock full. Right. Hmm. They've been enduring all this. And so that's when a lot of passive aggressive stuff comes out. And, um, you know, they endure, 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 and then lash out. Mm-hmm. Endure, 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 and have a midlife crisis. So more often than not, the codependent is vulnerable to kind of a midlife big correction. Sometimes they're vulnerable to cope in ways that are just really hurtful to them and their and their family. Mm-hmm. So when we get to conflict resolution, I, it seems it seems to me, and this is again armchair quarterbacking here, that you're going to want to figure out a way to slow the engine down before the interaction. Yeah, because if you if you wait and wait and wait, and all of a sudden you're just okay. I can't take it anymore. We have to talk about this right now. We got to get this settled too before we go to bed. Yes. Aren't yeah. You, aren't you going to just be in trouble? Well, and usually with, I don't know. No, you're right on with that. I mean, <laughs> it's usually like you know we're, we're starting to have the conversations at the worst time. You know, but usually what's happened is a couple's developed a pattern. One person wants to be right. The other person wants to be liked. One person is just real direct in conflict, one person avoids. Now, sometimes you got two direct people together, and sometimes you have two avoidant people together. But more often than not, you have a, you know, one of each kind of on that continuum. Mm-hmm. So they've developed a pattern already. So they have to identify their pattern first. Hey, what do we notice about ourselves? Like my wife and I, we identified our pattern and where, where it came from our, from our stories growing up. So that's why you'll hear me say all the time, let each other in versus take things out on each other. Mm-hmm. So, hey, honey. Easier said than done. Oh, big time. But, yeah. But, you know, the thing I've been focusing a lot on in my practice is um, being proactive versus reactive. I'll be talking about this ahead of time versus waiting until the last minute. Yeah, we're going to keep talking about this uh, beautiful thing called conflict resolution. And if you are in a situation, maybe you have a question for uh, Todd Mulliken, send it over to me uh, via text, 877-933-2484. Again, 877-93-FAITH. We'll be right back.
back to the show. Todd Mulligan is my guest, talking about his uh, latest book that he's come out with called Being Right Versus Being Liked, and he's nice enough to say, I bet there's 10 lucky people that would uh, love to have a copy of this, and all you have to do is text the word book to 877-933-2484, get in the drawing, and if you win, I'll send you one. How about that? Make it easy. All right, Todd, let's get back to conflict resolution. I think even with COVID, there's a lot of people who are realizing they have more need for conflict (laughs) resolution. Unfortunately, we're just around each other a lot, mm-hmm. right? You know, and it's interesting what I've noticed that sometimes that's been really good news for couples. The couples where one of the two is traveling a lot and they just, you know, they both have a love language of quality time and they've been kind of growing apart. So now here we go, mm-hmm. you know, but actually they, you know, those types of folks are finding times to go for walks and having what I call daily check-ins and, you know, weekly planning and, kind of getting into that rhythm and it's made some folks closer, which mm-hmm. is kind of cool. Yeah. But I think for the majority of folks, it's, there's more pressure, there's more, more vulnerable to bring out the worst in each other because we're, um, you know, we're just overwhelmed, you know, we're, we're scared, we're, we're anxious and it magnifies the patterns we've already had. And I will say frustrated. Absolutely. I and go back to frustration. Yeah. And you brought up, it was great. You brought up frustration and anger and those are on the classic feeling sheet. Those are both called mad feelings. What are they called? Mad. So it's under mad. Yeah. Oh, you're just, okay. Yeah. yeah. So it just means you're mad. When you have anger, when you're frustrated. Now, usually anger is a secondary emotion for hurt. So there's usually deep hurt behind the anger as well. Yeah. Here's a question from a listener. How do you stop yourself from climbing Anger Mountain? Hmm. Good question. Yeah, and it gets you back. Do you take this or do you want to do Go it? Go for it. That's all I Why'd you take that one? Okay. Yeah. So proactive versus reactive. So the first step is I own that I've got that issue. So I'm going to let my spouse in and say, hon, I have a hard time get, you know, watching when I'm going to the top finger of mine. I have a hard time with that. I really want to work on that. So I invite people, you know, whether they're kind of a regular quiet time person or they're just kind of doing quiet times on the fly to bring the Holy Spirit in on that. You know, just bring the advocate in. And talk about that, talk to God about that, and just get more intentional about that. Not from a place of perfection and duty and obligation, but out of freedom, like, man, I've got to regulate that and manage that. Where does that come from, Mm -hmm. right? So just do some deeper work, slow down, and take time to listen and to see what's going on there. So that's the first step. Yeah. It really is, because then, and then the second step is really in our prayer time, kind of visualizing God, put before me the hardest dilemmas me and my spouse have, and let me kind of think about what I'm for with how I want to handle that differently. And it doesn't mean it's perfect, but I'm just, I'm visualizing, I'm going to the driving range and practicing that. (laughs) Because Mm -hmm. otherwise we're reacting in real time. Mm -hmm. And then the patterns we've had from our upbringing, we bring in with usually insecure attachment styles under stress, plus the marriage stuff. So good luck (laughs) if we're just relying on, reacting only. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? So I'm a big yeah. believer in proactively thinking about it ahead of time and, and being intentional about that. Let's, um, um, when I talk about the, uh, when you talk about the attachment strategy, say more about that. Yeah. You know, we could God, spend a whole hour on attachment stuff. So, you know, the idea behind attachment styles is we have a secure attachment with the Lord, right? Where we go to him with like our church right now is doing a study on the Psalms. It's called Say Anything. So you and I can say anything to God, right? Right. In the, in the Psalms, we see that, right? We see joy. We see despair. We can say anything. So secure attachment means we come together and we can just be for each other 
and, you know, have love and concern, and then we go out and play. But it's secure, and then we go out and play, you know, like a, like a child has with their parent. Mm-hmm. But most of us under stress growing up didn't have secure attachment styles. Usually under stress, a dominant parent would be very overwhelming and dominating, and that either created a very insecure attachment style of anxiety where that child got in that parent's grill and they had a lot of chaos and fighting and I love you and I hate you, I love you, I hate you, I love you, I hate you, I love you, I hate you. Or we had, I'm just avoiding that parent and I'm shutting down. So that's in, that's in the DNA, that's in there for 18 years. And they bring that into their story of marriage. And that's the two most common insecure attachment styles. One is an anxious attachment style where Mm -hmm. they're vacillating between love and hate I love you, I can't stand you, you're amazing, <laughs> I don't want to be with you. Uh-huh. Or the avoidance attachment style, which is I'm, I'm frozen, I'm shutting down. Mm-hmm. So we want to be four coming together and visualizing how we can have a safe place together to have great days and bad days. And how do we do that? So that's, that's why I have each person work on their own attachment style in Jesus yeah. and Jesus and try to bring that towards each other. I had my friend uh, Tiger McLoon on the show yesterday, and I, I don't know, he's probably not listening right now, but... He was mad that I brought this up. I think he was kidding, but I asked him about his upbringing, you know, because he grew up with some issues in his family. And he said, I learned three things. And this really stuck with me. He said, here's what I learned. Don't talk, don't trust, don't feel. Mm. And uh, that's a lot of people's story. Oh. So if you come into a marriage and that's your attachment style. Right. You're mm, going right. to have some isolation, aren't you? Yeah. So we have to have, and then in the end of my book, I talk about three things, uh, mutual vulnerability. So... You know, for Tiger's case, we get to start, you know, gently choosing to trust, gently choosing to feel. And we don't know what we're feeling, but that's okay because it's safe. We don't know, but now it's safe, right? We And we get to start gently coming out to play a little bit by being mutually vulnerable. And mutually vulnerable means, you know, here's my take on this, what do you think, versus... Hey, I'm right and you're a loser. Or, hey, you know, here's, a, you know, I'm Mr. and Mrs. Right, but I'm going to be Mr. and Mrs. Flawfinder to you. Mm, that's a tough one. Right. So yeah. how do we, not like this mutual, like, you know, la-la land, but just our own, like, hey, I'm a mess. <laughs> and like, you know, like what Tiger let out with there is his own vulnerability. Which is beautiful. Right. Yeah. And that's the only place we can start. I know. Right. So, and we don't do that all the time in marriage when we're stressed, right? We, we generally don't do that. But I'm just saying once in a while we get to start practicing that a little bit. And when we lead out that way, then we got a shot. But the second part that I'm going to talk about quite a bit is called accept each other's differences. So me as an avoider, I, I've got to realize that somebody that's more intense under stress is, you know, isn't the worst person in the world. You know, the avoider style is just as unhealthy. But we get really judgy on the differences, right? The avoider thinks like every time their spouse raises their voice just a little bit, there you go, you know, go see your therapist. <laughs> or And the person that's a little bit like, whew, you know, just like a little bit quick trigger. Yeah. Every time their spouse shuts down, hey, you got those issues, you know, you, you shut down on me, you are stonewalling me. Yeah, sometimes they are, but sometimes they're just scared. Sometimes they don't just say. So we're very non-accepting when we're hurt. That makes sense. That's a Boy. big deal in marriage. Yeah, you when run I, for cover when, quickly, don't you? When I'm hurt and, and Laura's doing that to me, I'm, gonna, I'm hurt versus like, well, there's no free lunches here. <laughs> you know. And that's why we've got to trust each other's intention 
right? Like neither one of us woke up that morning. Hey, what I'd like to do is make life really hard on my spouse. I look forward to that today, right? <laughs> now, we're, if we're in a chaotic situation and there's been years and years of infidelity or years and years of abuse and violence and we're in recovery, mm-hmm. it's a different ballgame. Definitely, right? yeah. But when we're in a non-situation like that, but we've got good days and bad days, you know, uh, hurts and joys, we've got to be more mutually accepting of each other's hurts, you know, because... And the best way we can do that is to be vulnerable to our own crap. You know, Lord Jesus, help me with my side of the street, please. Help me with that. Holy Spirit, advocate for me on my behalf. You know, Abba, Father, here. And so if we can lead out occasionally with that stuff, then we got a shot. Mm-hmm. So it really helps to be accepting of each other's differences. Romans fifteen seven, I think, is beautiful. Accept one another as Christ accepts us in order to bring praise to God. Mm-hmm. Now, we don't accept adultery, abuse, you know. Violence. We don't accept some unacceptables, of course. Yeah. But we accept like, hey, under stress, my spouse kind of is a freezer, you know, and under stress, my spouse kind of whoop, short circuits a little bit. But you know what? It's it's a lot easier if we see them working on their side of the street a little bit, right? Versus just, hey, here's a book to read about how you're an idiot. Right? right, right. Here's the 20 things that are wrong with you. By the way, the name of that book um, <laughs> right. is Being Right Versus Being Liked, right. The Impact of Narcissism and Codependency yeah. on Couples and Families. And there's another $10 bill. Thank you. <laughs> right. So it's, and again, I, it, you know, in other words, I'd rather have me say, I got a problem with avoidance. I'd rather lead out with, hey, here's my stuff versus... I got, you know, I'm going to wait till my spouse finally tells me that I've got that issue, right? And that's the dynamic we talked about guys earlier. And that's why in one of my other books, I talk about guys got to start being more on the offense versus the defense. They've got to go find their wives, go cherish her, look for her. Mm-hmm. What's she doing today? I'm going to go find her. Because mm-hmm. that usually brings out the best in the woman. So a lot of times part of this dynamic of when men are avoiding and women are just slowly lowering their expectations every single because he's home, but nobody's home. Yeah. And, oh, that, that's, and that's not what it was when we were courting. No. He, he was thinking about me all the time. And yeah. now he's like, not. And the guy's going, well, I love you. I do. Yeah. I, I do. I just, I, yeah, I'm just thinking about other stuff right now. Yeah, right. But I do love you. That's, yeah. Todd Mulliken's uh, my guest in his book is Being Right Versus Being Liked. And he's got 10 copies he brought in to give away. So if you want to be in the drawing for one of those 10, text the word book. That's all you do is just type the word book and send it as a text. Uh, nothing else. Just be okay. 877-933-2484. You probably know the drill. Text it over and it'll uh, get you in the drawing. We'll take a short break and be right back. They're coming in here in a minute. 
That's so good, isn't it? Uh, Is it just you and me that gets happy over that? I hope not. I hope those other people think that's good. Maybe our age? Or, I don't sorry, know. I don't, I don't know. know. All right. Todd Mulliken's my guest in... Um, we're talking about his uh, latest book called Being Right Versus Being Liked, The Impact of Narcissism and Codependency on Couples and Families. And uh, Todd can be reached at Todd Mulliken, M-U-L-L-I-K-E-N.com. And he said, here's 10 books you want to give away to your listeners. So just text the word book to 877-93-FAITH. We'll get you in the drawing. Many people have done that already. All right, Todd, let's, uh, let's revisit this idea. This, How do you recognize the pattern of resentment? So I bring something up, and it doesn't get solved. It doesn't get resolved. And you don't want to talk about it again. So, hmm, now it's stewing. And I'm just growing in resentment. And I don't want to have it turn into a bitter root. Oh, probably one of the biggest issues that leads people to slowly grow apart versus grow together. And when you talked about narcissism and codependency, in general, the codependent is more vulnerable to this. So the avoider avoids, mm-hmm. doesn't say what's on their mind. And instead of leaving that situation with a zero sum game and say, Hey, I didn't bring it up. That's on me. They kind of go, well, Mm, mm, no, it didn't go well last time, so I'm just going to go over here for the resentment account. I've given up, given up to God. Maybe not, though, because resentment's slowly building. So mm-hmm. what you notice is you start to not feel as close to your spouse. You you aren't interested in engaging when they're really happy. You start to feel a little bit, I'm not really, I don't want to join you in that. Or you're not wanting to celebrate a success they've had or you're not wanting to partake in connectivity or intimacy, you're starting to build that core of resentment slowly but surely. So uh, we have to, you know, the first step is to realize like, like sometimes codependents will initially go, well, maybe I did that wrong because he or she didn't respond well, so maybe I wasn't in God's will, or maybe I really didn't listen to what the Holy Spirit said. And does that make sense? They'll kind of, well, maybe I did it wrong because it didn't go well. No, you did fine, <laughs> probably. Mm-hmm. And their spouse has their own struggle with receiving that or is defensive or is kind of like, you know, again, if they're more narcissistic, they'll just get blamey back and blame shift you. So that doesn't mean you did it wrong. But honestly, the best only thing I've seen ever work uh, is just in my, that's why in that book I talk for the codependent about these boundaries, honest conversations. So I'm going to keep bringing it up. Mm. Hey, Hannah, I'm finding myself wanting, I'm just building resentment because of what happened. And the last couple of times I brought up, it really hasn't gone well. And I'm really just frustrated, so I'm letting you in on that. And you might, you might do that every other day. Wow. You might do it for a while. It's a long week. Right? And again, <laughs> it's not like we can't wait, right? Right. But it's, it means we can't avoid that. And what I've seen more often than not, the mildly controlling person eventually gets it. They feel defensive, they feel frustrated, but that's the only time I've seen... You know, and sometimes it gets to my second boundary of loving detachment where, or even separation in, in really difficult cases. Like, if we do not address this, we're going to have to get help, you know. Well, I don't want to get help. It's your problem. You're the one with the resentment. Ouch. Right? And so then what do you do with that? That's not a we right? decision. That's, so now, a, that's a, it's a your problem thing, right? Right. And so now How's it's really work? tough. And so the best, best you can do is say we really need to get help. Um, and so that's typically when it when it gets into my office, and so now at least we got a shot at trying to slow things down, try to slow the resentment, so now we're trying to address the mess mm-hmm. in a way that's more reasonable and vulnerable. 
So I hope that helps, but I think we have to make sure we're not we're majoring on the majors and not majoring on the minors, right? So if we've got one issue, like it's a parenting issue, we just agree to disagree, which is my third issue. You know, speak without offending, listen without defending, agree to disagree. There might be an area of resentment I'm building up, like my spouse just doesn't get it in this parenting area. I don't like it. So if I'm building resentment there, but like, you know, four other areas of the marriage is going pretty well, then that's even more on me, right? Then I got to say, hey, we just agree to disagree on that. I don't feel heard there. It's frustrating to me. I've let him or her know that. But that's one we just don't see eye to eye on. And I, I hope the marriage isn't defined by that. I hope we can still be in journey on that and be defined by our best days. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Todd, let me create a scenario here. You're a people pleaser. You, um, you, like, <clears throat> you like being liked. Okay. So, and this person, let's just, for the sake of this, makeup scenario is the wife who has gone to social outings with her husband for five years and feels largely ignored at those. He goes off into the corner and, you know, kind of doesn't connect with her while they're at this event. And she secretly and quietly kind of just stews and feels pain and starts to dread going to these events. And so she finally says after five years, uh, I have to just try to say this without being offensive, but I feel like when we go to these events, I feel ignored and he just blows up. And then she says, well, I almost wished I'd never brought it up. I mean, and this, and this sounds really, I don't know how this sounds to you, Bill, but like, that's kind of the classic codependent dilemma. He blew up or she blew up. So it wasn't worth it. Yep. So what they're doing is they're saying it's only worth it if he or she says, oh, thank you for sharing, and, <laughs> and now let's skip through the daisies, right? right. Which they're not going to do because they feel attacked, even though it wasn't attacking. Mm-hmm. And that's on the person who was too defensive. So I get to feel confident in Jesus that I did the right thing by addressing it. And I just, in case I ever get confused, all I got to do is read John 4 through John 8 and Jesus' interactions with the Pharisees. I mean, you you pick out a spot in there where it wasn't like there's these amazing conversations that go beautifully. So I think sometimes pleasers are too defined by mm-hmm. how it goes. Mm-hmm. And they avoid if it doesn't go well. And it usually goes back, typically, Bill, like I mentioned, the attachment style. A dominant parent shut them out or was overreactive so they don't have that attachment anymore. So now they're alone in that feeling, and they don't. The last thing they want to do is try to address that parent again. It's not their parent now; it's their spouse, right? And it still doesn't go well. So their body's just tired of that, and that's why I do believe you know Christ's gift to us, the Holy Spirit, needs to come in and comfort that child who's now thirty yeah. to say, "I'm you know I, you know you are loved. You are loved for who you are." I love you. I am here. Mm -hmm. Your spouse did respond in a way that, and actually, you know, his or her story. And so we need to talk about that and we need to address that with him or her. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean it's going to go well. Yeah. Now, there's probably a timing issue too. If you're on your way to another one of these social events and you're in your car and you're 15 minutes away and you drop this bomb, it may just cause a complete blow up and a complete ruined night. And then, and then, you're not going to have regretted saying it, but maybe the timing wasn't great. 
Correct. So now we're looking at, is this an incident or a pattern? In other words, this person who kind of you talked about blowing up, mm-hmm. if he or she always has a hissy fit when they're, they're, when their spouse addresses something with them, that's on them. And they got to realize, hey, I need to create a safe place for my spouse to say what's on their mind. So in other words, you're right. We can address it in a better way, right? We can create a better time to do it. So I always say to couples, try to have daily check-ins, weekly Sunday summits where you look at the week, the month, and then create space in that Sunday summit just to have a little check-in about how we're doing. You mm-hmm. know, take, let's take our temperatures. I mean, we have an hour therapy session, but we got, and I even have this formula called HARP for couples in recovery, H-A-A-R-P. The H stands for, let's do a high and low, last couple of days. The first A is I will... Affirm my, I want to affirm my spouse for a couple of things I've noticed about him or her the last couple of days. Second A is an apology. I'm going to own something I did the last day or two that's really on me. Now we're going to go to our, our, our R, recovery area. A recovery area for a couple could be like Rebecca brought up, hey, you know, this issue of I'm resentment building or right ever, you know, so like, or for me, like I, I do the same thing with that, right? So how how do we talk about recovery, whether it's a big deal or a little deal, right? That's our time to do that. And then prayer, then we pray it up. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I love that. H-A-A-R-P, is that yep. what you said? Yep. Yeah, I like that. So let's just now, go doesn't mean that. a couple has to do that, no, of course but they not. get to do that. Yeah. Let's just go through that one more time because um, I want to hear that one more time. The H is for? High and low. High and low. So we're just okay. talking about little things yeah, of the day. Yeah, what a high and a low? Yep. yep. And then the first A is uh, affirm. Uh, affirm each other. Apologize. Recovery. So again, a lot of couples are in deep recovery. Mm-hmm. Some couples, like Laura and I might talk about, hey, this last week, this was going on. How'd you feel about that? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll talk about something that's going on in our story. Just get to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And then pre, the P is just pray it up together. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying we got to do that every, you know, it's kind of like devotions. Doesn't mean we do it every night for the rest of our life. If we don't, we're in trouble. <laughs> just means we get to do it. Mm-hmm. We might do it occasionally. Yeah. What about if... Some spouse said to the other spouse, um, is there anything about me that uh, if I were to change, it would make it would make uh, living with me easier? Mm. Is that a good idea, a bad idea? Is that manipulative? Is that, well, you're, you're speaking nuts? What, what, just, I'm just throwing that out there. Well, well, hopefully it's not meant to manipulate, right? Hopefully it's hopefully meant to not. be. Right. And this is where I, uh, the other thing I talk a lot about is trusting each other's intention. Mm. Do I trust they're bringing it up because we're for each other? Because mm-hmm. if I'm always not trusting, then, I'm in, then I don't trust what they're saying. Well, what if I'm bringing it up because I want you to have the light bulb go off in your head and you're yep. going to go, well, what about me? Yes. <laughs> right. So what's there? And that's a little bit of that sideways stuff that pleasers get into, right? Yeah. <laughs> they just don't want to be direct because it might not go well. Mm-hmm. So we get to be direct and address the mess, and it's okay to do that. You know, it's okay. And then need to tell people it's okay to do that because yeah. most people are afraid to do it. Correct. And a then, lot of people. I shouldn't speak for everybody. No, no, you could. <laughs> I could. I could try. <laughs> well, I will, it won't work. But no. And then the direct people. This is the. I think when I've seen the most transformation in couples is when the direct person really watches their language and how they speak to their spouse, how they speak to their kids, that can be transformational in in their house, right? When that direct person says, wait a minute, that one's on me. Mm -hmm. So that's how my last part of the book says, own your own side of the street, own your own part. So when Mm -hmm. the direct person says, hey, that's on me, 
Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry for my words. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm a believer in, like my book on parenting, that talks about five ways to become a good parent. And the last, and they're all C's, and the last C is be a parent that confesses when you're wrong. You don't lose authority when you do that. You gain respect. Mm-hmm. So I'm a big believer in that. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But like really own our own part just creates mutual mercy. Yeah. Todd, how important it is to have, uh, you know, a, a, a team and a bench where you've got a bench of players. I mean, if you have a lot of friends, yeah. you, get, you, get, you get to process some stuff with friends and your friends who love you and care about you. Iron sharpens iron. One man or another might correct you and say, well, when you get home tonight, get, get apologetic. Tell your wife you're sorry. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and then you might have, uh, as time grows over a marriage, you've got possibly uh, one person that has a number of friends and another person who has, like, no friends. Mm. And then you can think, well, boy, if you had friends, maybe I wouldn't be the villain all the time. Mm. Yeah, that's a great call. Usually... It's good if we have a person or two that we really can trust and take our masks off together. Yeah. That's huge. And then, because that person isn't going to always say, yeah, it's on your spouse. Yeah, it's on your spouse. Yeah, it's on your spouse. They're going to say, hey, why don't you, you know, I would ask you to do this differently next time. They just hold, have a level of accountability versus being a yes person. Yeah. That's the trouble with narcissistic people. Sometimes they'll just create people around them that are yes people. Yeah, because some of the people I know that have very difficult marriages are sort of in, uh, they don't have a lot of friends. Right, <laughs> right, because they don't want to hear the hard stuff, right? I mean, I don't know about you, but the older I get, the less I know. The more mistakes I make, I, I make mistakes. Yeah, and I've I got to I've got to be able to be okay telling my wife that. Mm-hmm. Todd, so that's huge, I think. Yeah, Todd Mullikin's my guest. His book is "Being Right Versus Being Liked: The Impact of Narcissism and Codependency on Couples and Families." He was nice enough to bring over ten copies, which means ten people will get a copy of his book. Just text the word book over to 877-933-2484 and we'll do a drawing and get the books to you ASAP. show Todd Mullikin's my guest and we're talking about conflict resolution and I do uh, I do Todd know some uh, people in difficult marriages who are are feeling a little stressed that there's not uh, balance among friends mm. and sometimes uh, there's too much time with friends so I mean it's complicated isn't it <laughs> So can we just be for the idea that maybe one person is more extroverted, one person is more introverted, yeah. and celebrate that difference, right? It might be that. So the extrovert likes to have 20 acquaintances, and the introvert likes to have two close, deep friends. Mm-hmm. And then the second piece real quick would be is how are we doing, like my three tiers of time. We're having marriage time is most important. Then if we got kiddos, family time's next. Mm-hmm. And then we have our individual time. Now, the individual time with one person might be having a party with their friends every week. 
And the individual time for the other person might be just reading a book and going to Barnes & Noble for a few hours, you know, mm-hmm. non-COVID time. So it makes sense. We Again, it's that accepting each other's differences versus changing the person to become like ourselves. Like my wife and I dealt with that, right? So I'm extroverted, she's introverted. In the first year of marriage, I was going, well, why are we leaving the parties early? And she's going, why can't you just slow down, right? And so until we accepted that, we were judgy, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, in your, what you're talking about, I think a lot of that is accepting those differences and then being for doing our own individual time separately, but making sure we have really good marriage time together. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to get too off topic, but I'm going to, if you don't mind, uh, budge a little in another direction uh, because Father's Day is Sunday mm-hmm. and there's so many people that have got difficult relationships with dads and maybe the difficult relationship is very strong and dad's not even alive. Mm. Mm. and maybe you haven't had a conversation with your dad in years and years and you're starting to feel the pain of the no reconciliation Mm. uh, that may or may or may not happen yeah um and there you know it can be a very stressful time for people how do i I connect how do i make it right do i even try to reach out will it will it work will i get a rebuff so Maybe a couple thoughts, and again, I think each case is different, right? Mm-hmm. But one would be is, in my opinion, what we're making sure we're doing is, if I had a difficult relationship with my dad, what I am making sure I'm doing now, if I am a parent, is making sure I'm really parenting well, and I get to do that, right? So I'm making this generational shift where I have hurt and grief from that issue, uh, but I'm going to make sure that these issues kind of stop here. And for me as a parent, I get to do this well. I get mm-hmm. to parent well, okay? Um, if I if I don't have children and I'm in that spot, then what I need to make sure I'm doing is allowing myself to grieve where am I at with dad? And have I grieved some of that? Am I in the anger phase? Am I bargaining woulda, coulda, shouldas? Am I accepting the fact that we have a very distant relationship? And my truth is two years ago, I reached out and he was not open, he was not available, and that's where it's at. I'm grieving about that, mm-hmm. and God gets to comfort me in my grief. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's okay to just take time to be present with Jesus about where I'm at if, if it is disconnected and not have to overcompensate and fix that on Father's Day, but just to take time and space to grieve with where I'm at with that. And if again, if my truth is I haven't reached out to him and he has tried, he's been a poor father for decades and now he's he's learning and he's trying a little bit, but I'm resentful, okay, that's a different story. Then I need to look mm-hmm. in my own mirror and say, Dad, I, it's hard for me to come close to you because of all the decades of pain, but I appreciate what you've been doing lately and I'm here, but I'm having a hard time and I'm not ready to spend time with you. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? So I'm I just trying to be honest with where I'm at yeah. and let God comfort me in that. What about some comforting words for those whose father has passed on and they mm. didn't uh, they didn't end well? Yeah. And these little days they pop up and it, there's a tinge of pain and oh boy, here we go again and yeah. Know, so we get kind of revisits. That's a great question and we get to know like how God sees that in my opinion God knows our heart, right? So if we're a parent and, you know, one of our kids is really struggling with this shame or this guilt, my, our heart breaks, right, for that kid. Well, God, his heart breaks for us when he knows that we're grappling with that guilt of not saying goodbye to dad when he passed away mm-hmm. five years ago. Right. So we have to 
receive that gentleness and that kindness with how God sees us and how God comforts us in that grief. So allow ourselves, if we're having shame stuff or guilt stuff, allow ourselves to be comforted by God there and receive his mercy because he knows our heart, right? Our heart is is that we're sad that we weren't able to say goodbye to dad or... Or you, well, or you, we have shame or, about that, or whatever. Or it ended with uh, discord. Discord, yeah. it ended horribly, right? Yeah. And we know that you know God, God comforts us in that grief, right? It's okay, you know, that God comforts us in that, and it's okay that we're sad about that. Mm-hmm. It's okay, you know, sadness, you know, it's a part of our story, and it's okay even if that's just a broken time there. That's hard, but God knows our heart. Our heart, you know, our heart is breaking, right, for mm-hmm. that situation, but we get to make sure we're not um, inducing shame on ourselves for that because mm-hmm. then that gets really weighty and the guilt gets loud versus, you know, releasing that to God and be, receiving comfort because he knows, he knows our heart. Mm-hmm. And that's why as we delight in him, he gives us the desires of our heart. So I really, I'm so glad you brought that up because that's a really common issue for folks mm-hmm. with that. And then families that are blended, I mean, there's another layer of complication in there mm. because it's Father's Day, so all the kids get to be with Dad, right? Right. Not always, though, right? No. <laughs> and, yeah. And, and maybe for a reduced amount of time, and there's and there's the, there's the political the politics of that sometimes. That it's gets, tricky. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I think being a step parent is one of the hardest jobs in the universe, and mm-hmm. we get to know that we get to, you know, we get to know that we're loved by God, and we get to know that we love our kids as best as we can and we're doing our very best to love our stepchild or stepchildren well too and it's a hard role it -hmm. is a hard role but again what we'll notice is are we feeling okay about who we are and are we excited that our our you know our kids are seeing that other person it's hard to do but we want to be excited that they they get to spend time with this other parent Mm -hmm. even though it's hard for us yeah we talked uh, this week about God working in incremental ways. Mm-hmm. You know, God works in very incremental little steps. And if I am in your book, being right versus being liked, if if I am I'm a little bit of a narcissist, is there a chance that I might become less of one? And if I'm codependent, is there a chance I could improve that? I love that. So yeah, just is, little steps every is there day. There little steps that can make a, a difference where people would say, "Wow, you've really changed." Mm. Is that possible? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're all nine on the narcissist scale, probably not, right? Right. Well, then you don't think you are. <laughs> I mean, you're not, you're not reading, you're, you're not, not open. You're not reading the book. Yeah. Right. Or, or, you know, you don't, you know, you think it's everybody else's issue. Yeah. Right. But I what love what a terrible what way to live. Oh. And I'm sorry for the people that live with those people. Absolutely. Oh, that's painful. It's, it's so hard. It's, you know, it's last, that last check, 6% of the population. So, um, it's hard, really tough. But I, I love what you're saying about incremental change because mm-hmm. I think sometimes as believers, we're looking for that Saul to Paul, that transformative moment that's just, whew, whereas usually, you know, we get experiences like that, right? Where we mm-hmm. feel so loved and nurtured by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. just a great worship experience. But usually transformation happens over a generation, not overnight. Yeah. And it's the journey. It's, you know, right. I think that was brought up this week that why after the fall in the garden did Jesus not come instantly and go on the cross? Mm. and solve it then you know <laughs> right and why was there 400 years before? right 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 yeah 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 so it's he he comes to be with us and to journey with us and i just pray that people don't feel alone uh this weekend especially if you are uh missing a parent i know uh, a friend of mine is going to be spending the first um 
Father's Day without his dad. Oh, yeah. Um, and you know this person I'm probably talking about. But, mm. um, so I'm praying protection on that family. And mm-hmm. uh, there's that realization that it's Father's Day and dad's not with us. And we get to carry that torch, too, of of who that person was. Totally. Right. And yeah. we get to remember that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Todd Mulligan's been my guest, and his book is uh, Being Right versus Being Liked. If you'd like to get in the drawing for one of those copies, he brought in 10. So you, your odds are pretty, pretty good that you'll get a, a book. Text the word book to 877-933-2484. You can also go to Todd's website, Todd, T-O-D-D-M-U-L-L-I-K-E-N.com, ToddMulligan.com. Thank you, Todd, for being here. Thanks, Bill. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. I really pause. appreciate it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you. So great to be here. Yeah. Thank we you. will uh, take a little break. And hour two is just ahead. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.